Hey everyone, Bert Alcorn here, pastor for Preaching and Vision here at Anthem Ventura, and we are just walking through some of our vision, values, trying to understand who God has called us to be, what he's called us to do, why he's called us to those things, and how we're going about it. And what we've covered so far is exactly those things, our mission and purpose and identity, like who God has called us to be as a church and what we're doing, our formation and values, like how do we change? How do we go about doing the things that God has called us to do? Our practices and our ministry structure. So like how our church actually looks when we're putting those things into practice. And today what we're talking about is just when are we successful? Our vision, our prayer as a, as a leadership team, our measures, like fruit outcomes, like we want to know that we're measuring the right things um, and that we're actually getting the outcome that we're hoping for. And we're actually seeing kind of the tangible results of uh, change and people coming to align and reorganize their lives around following Jesus. So I'll start with maybe like that, that top part again that maybe you guys are getting the hang of. Anthem Ventura is a church made up of house churches practicing the way of Jesus together in our city. Together, we are becoming resilient disciples who are a faithful family in the face of cultural coercion and live a vibrant life in the spirit. We live this out by organizing everything we do around the three goals of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. And this all leads, we hope and pray, to the pursuit of the tangible presence and power of God practicing counterformation in the way of Jesus and living on sacrificial mission for the renewal of the city. What we're honing on in, in on in this last episode is that very last part. Our vision is for those in our church to live a life characterized by the pursuit of the tangible presence and power of God, practicing counterformation in the way of Jesus and living on sacrificial mission for the renewal of the city. That's what we're hoping for. That is our, our vision. And I first want to even say, before we dig into each one of those, which we're going to do in just a moment, I just want to like, what are, what, the things we choose to measure make a huge difference. Uh, in our lives, in our workplace, in our families, and even in our church communities, what it is that we choose as our overriding metric for success actually matters because it informs what we do. Because whenever we set X, as our metric for success. We're going to do whatever it takes to accomplish X in our lives. And that's the same with churches. And so often if a church is treated like a, a business, then the highest metric of success, I'm not saying these are unimportant, I'm saying they become the highest metric for success, are money and people. How big is your church and how much money do you have? How big is your staff and, and sort of how big is your building or whatever? They're all around metrics of um, attendance and giving, which once again, not bad in and of themselves. We measure those things as a church because they are indicators of other things, but they are not the supreme metric by which we measure success. And they're not the supreme measure by, by which we measure, um, are we accomplishing the thing we're asking, uh, that God is asking us to do? So I'd say there's maybe even three levels of how we measure success. And the first, I didn't unpack yet, but it, it's more generic and it's something that, um, uh, a mentor of mine, Matt, who kind of leads the church that Sherry and I were sent out from, uh, he said really early on, the measure of success for a church planter is obedience and humility. And, and, I, and he said that's the measure of success for the church planter, and it's the measure of success for the church. And he said if one year in, three years in, five years in, 10 years in, 
the doors get closed metaphorically on the church. Like if, if we need to close this church down, if Jesus closes the church down, if it just like never gains traction, it never, it never like really goes beyond just sort of the idea, whatever it is, if the church has to close, the measure of success is not, is the church still there, but were you and was the church humble and obedient? And this was, it's incredibly simple, but it's an incredibly profound uh, value statement from us that shaped us early on and honestly helped us get through some of the hardest seasons of our church where Sherry and I thought we might have to close the doors on this church. We might have to pack this in and try again. We might have to go back from where we were sent and tell them we failed. And in those moments, we were reminded that it wasn't actually failure if that's what Jesus's plan was. Failure was when we were not humble, but prideful, arrogant, brash, harsh, whatever. And failure was not obeying, was doing our own thing and not actually obeying the thing God has called us to do. And I can tell you really honestly, if that's the metric for failure and success, we have failed a lot as a church and we have failed a lot as a leadership team and I have failed a lot as a leader. And I'm so thankful that God is far more gracious with me than I am with myself um, to remember uh, that honestly, whatever is happening in the life of our church, if we are continuing to strive for obedience and humility, that is the highest metric for success. Now, the second tier is sort of what we defined for as a church, like what we want to measure. So I would say that's kind of like the discipleship thing we talked about a few episodes ago. That is probably applicable to any Christian anywhere at any time, right? In any sort of context. But this is getting a layer deeper of like the uniqueness to us, like how we are choosing to see, like, are we accomplishing the things God's asked us to accomplish? And that is through kind of three areas. One is tangible presence and power. Like we are, as a church, seeking the tangible presence and power of God through a culture of prayer and worship and dependence on him. And so for us, when we think about uh, the tangible presence of power of God, I think about that moment in 1 Corinthians 14 when Paul's talking about tongues and prophecy and helping correct the church and how they should live better and, and all of that. But he has this line, he says, when these things are functioning well, when the tangible presence and power of God are being stewarded well by the church and its leadership, then those who do not know God will actually walk into that place and say, surely God must be among you. <coughs> It's a beautifully pr profound moment. We say when we are stewarding those moments well and pursuing the tangible presence and power of God, it is one of the most evangelistic things that could, we could ever do. Because people on their own, without us trying to convince them, will see God is surely in this place. So when we are seeing the tangible presence and power of God through culture of worship, prayer, dependence, through healing, through prophetic words, through whatever, when we're seeing those things actually happen and God move amongst us in really powerful ways, we know we're doing something right. Not, not in terms of we have it all together, but like we're obeying the thing that God has asked us to do. Second is counterformation particularly counterformation in the way of Jesus. We are practicing this by walking in the way of Jesus as transformed, resilient disciples. So we've talked about this before, but everything around you, all the voices in your environment are trying to form you into something or someone other than the person of Jesus. So the work of a Christian and the work of a church is counterformation. We do not, our discipleship does not start at net zero. We don't start with a blank slate, wake up in the world going, well, it could go either way. No, no, no. 
Our discipleship every single day starts with a bent towards the world, the flesh, the enemy, and it is the work of the Christian, it is the work of the church to counterform against the formation of the world, the flesh, the enemy, against podcasts, against books, against politics. And it's once again, not to say that we should shut ourselves in from any of that, but it's to practice counterformation and make sure the voice of Jesus and his Holy Spirit is the loudest voice in our environment. And when those things are happening, when we actually see that people are enable, uh, able to engage in politics or cultural issues well, when they're able to discern books and podcasts and articles and teachings and that sort of things well, and through the lens of Jesus, we know that we are like on the way to accomplishing the thing that Jesus has asked us to accomplish. That when we actually see the voice of Jesus as the better voice, the good and better voice in the vo- than the voices of our environment, we know we are accomplishing the things that God has asked us to accomplish. Third is sacrificial mission. We're working to be a courageous missional presence for the spiritual, social, and cultural renewal of the city. Once again, we are not monks hiding up on our mountain. We are involved in uh, our city. We're involved in our time and our place, but we're involved differently. We live a life of sacrificial mission for the renewal of our city, which means to see the spiritual, social, cultural renewal of the city will cost you. It'll cost you your time. It'll cost you your money. It'll cost you your comfort, your framework. It'll cost you all sorts of things. But if we see a church that is pursuing the tangible presence and power of God, being counterformed in the way of Jesus against the ways of the world, and are sacrificing for the renewal of the city, generously, sacrificially moving towards those in our city for the spiritual, cultural, and social renewal, like we know that God is doing stuff in our church, and we are on the path of obedience. And these are the things that we are choosing to measure as successful. Now, there's like a third tier to what we measure as successful, and that is stuff like money in the bank. Like we, there's a, in Southern California in 2021, there's a lot of things we cannot do without money, right? Just being like really real and frank and honest with you guys. So money is a part of what we measure. Uh, it is attendance, quote unquote. Uh, we don't really count attendance on the Sunday gathering because like for us, Jesus it was not important who the crowd was on the mountain. It was important who was actually with him on the journey. And so we do choose to count attendance in certain spaces, uh, but where we feel like they matter. But those are not our driving metric. They're like three levels down. Um, so who and how many is in the room and what resources are at our disposal to say yes to the things of God. Um, these are important things to measure and count, and we certainly do that, but they are not supreme. They are at best like third most important on the levels of importance that I've walked out today. So humility, obedience, this is what can be expected of us and what we measure uh, as Christians in our walk with Jesus. But as a church, we are measuring tangible presence and power of God. That is our vision and hope counterformation in the way of Jesus and sacrificial mission for the renewal of the city. These are the things that we want to celebrate. These are the things that we want to count as best as we can count. It's the things we want to look at and highlight when we ask the question, are we being successful? Are we being fruitful? What are the outcomes of our practices, of our vision, of our values? And if they're these things, we know we're going in the right direction. Four-part video unpacking the why, the what, the how, uh, all the things behind the scenes at Anthem Ventura that we wanted to make sure you at least had access to from a resourcing standpoint. Uh, This is the last of the four series of videos and episodes, and I just want to end with a simple invitation. 
If you're part of our community and you're maybe growing in your understanding of what it is that we're doing, or maybe if you're like new or newish and you're using these sort of videos to um, help shape like what involvement may look like, can I just encourage you from this one moment in scripture? I'm sure, Anthem, you've heard me use this scripture so many times you're probably sick of it, but I'll go to it because I think it is a beautiful moment for how we respond to the things we see God doing. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is with the Ephesian elders. He's been with them for some time. He's taught them. He's praying with them. He's developed this brotherhood and sisterhood with them, and they are genuinely sad to see him go. And all throughout this story, up until um, Acts chapter 20, there's been this investigative reporter named Luke copying down all the things that are happening. He's writing down, he's taking notes, he's getting eyewitness accounts, he's hearing all the stories of this new Jesus movement. And it didn't start in the book of Acts, it actually starts in the book of Luke. That is his like Luke part one, and then Acts is like Luke part two. And it's really this investigative reporter. He was sent out by this rich benefactor, Theophilus, and he goes and figures out what's been going on with this Jesus who has so shaken up the first century world. And subsequently, what happens to this church, this band of followers that believe this Jesus was actually resurrected and it changes everything. So all throughout Luke's, all throughout Luke and all throughout Acts chapter 1 through 20, Luke has been getting these accounts from people and he's been hearing the stories of what's been going on. And there's a profound moment for Luke at the end of Acts chapter 20 and the beginning of Acts chapter 21. And Luke accounts in verse 36, and when he, Paul, had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Acts chapter 21, verse 1. And when we had parted from them and set sail, pause. English nerds, you know immediately what happened in the shift from Acts chapter 20 to Acts chapter 21. The language went from they and them to we and us. Did you guys catch that? Up until this point, Luke has just been reporting on stories that he have heard, and he's been an outsider to what Paul's been up to, to the early church, to Jesus. He's been on the outside looking in, just trying to report on it. But suddenly, in Acts chapter 21, He can no longer be an outsider to the story anymore because he metaphorically and literally gets on the boat. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to cause the next day to Rhodes and from there on to Patara. And the story goes on. And it's a critically important moment for us to understand as Christians that there is a moment when you see what God is doing and you're on the outside looking in. And that's not all bad. You're maybe checking it out. You're investigating. You're really trying to discern, is this for me? Is this story for me? God, is what you're doing here, is this for me? That's not entirely a bad thing. But there is a moment of decision. Usually it's prompted by the Holy Spirit. There's a moment of decision where you have to consider for yourself, will I actually get on the boat and become a part of the story? Because it's okay for you to be on the outside of the story for a time. It's not okay for you to be on the outside of the story forever. And so there is a moment that God presents to you, will you get on the boat and join the story? And so that's my simple invitation for anyone who's miraculously made it through these videos or these podcast episodes. Uh, As you're getting to know who we are and what we're hoping to accomplish as a church, 
you have seen what God has been doing. You've seen what God is up to in this community. You've seen where he's taking us and you've heard where he's taking us. And there is kind of a decision moment for you. Will you be a part of that story? Will you join in in this work that God is doing to cultivate resilient disciples who are a faithful family, living vibrantly in the spirit, practicing the way of Jesus together? Will you be a part of that? And so that's my invitation for you from Acts chapter 20 and 21. And I believe it's an invitation from God. Will you be a part of the story or will you consider or will you still be on the outside looking in? And my deep hope and prayer is that we lay out some of these things that we feel like God has birthed in us and is calling us to, that you would be a part of that story in whatever way you are able. So we love you. For whoever's watching, I have no idea who's watching or listening to this, but know you are loved, you are prayed for. Uh, We hope that you will take steps in becoming a greater part of the story of what God is doing here. But in the meantime, grace and peace from Jesus to you.